You are listening to Seattle Growth Podcast, available free on iTunes. That's the voice of Tecla Waterfield, one of three musicians drawn to Seattle by its legendary music scene, who share their stories on today's episode of Seattle Growth Podcast. I'm Jeff Shulman, and today's episode continues this season's exploration of the past, present, and future of Seattle's music scene. Last week, we profiled some of the musicians lost in the city's economic boom. You heard from Afro-folk singer-songwriter Naomi Washira. There's always this sense of, you know, if you move to some some new place, you, you leave a place better than you found it. And it's a philosophy that I've carried with me everywhere I go. Matt Bishop from Hey Marseille shared why his popular band is on hiatus. All of us have, have struggled just in terms of kind of the economic realities of being in Seattle. And at the same time, the Seattle market and the expense of living here has taken off the music industry nobody the the cd sales have just not turned around for some reason and seattle weekly's jazz act of 2017 kate voss and her husband jason gessel shared why they anticipate having to move from seattle and a friend of ours came to us and was like hey i hear you're looking for a place to live i have a house in ballard and um, my roommate moved out a couple you know a couple months ago and i have an empty room you have your own bathroom and and you'll be my roommate. So we live, we live with Harold. The episode gave insight into the economics and emotional journey associated with pursuing a music career in this growing city. Now, today's episode gives further perspective, but from the other side, the musicians who are attracted to Seattle from around the country. And in a rare treat, you will not only hear about Tecla Waterfield's journey from Seattle Transplant to a release of a new album, but you will also be the first to hear a sneak peek from her upcoming album, The Curtain Falls, produced by famed Seattle guitarist Jeff Fielder. You'll also hear Dustin Vance, who recently moved to Seattle from a small town in Indiana, and Jeremiah Mothersell, who moved here from Arizona for music, but has found a different path in this thriving economy. Today's episode offers perspective on how the city is viewed by others around the country and how they adapt to joining our community. To hear from someone who not only found success, but also love upon moving to Seattle, join me as I sit down with Tecla Waterfield. I'm here with Tecla Waterfield. She moved to Seattle for music, and now she is launching her second album, The Curtain Falls, coming out just in April, April 21st. She's performed at the Moore Theater, she's toured, and she is making music here in our lovely city. Tecla, thank you for joining me today. Thank you very much, Jeff, for having me. So why don't we start, just tell me a little bit about yourself. Um, well, uh, just always been a musician, just started singing at a really young age. My mom played music, so, uh, she encouraged my sister and I to, uh, start singing and harmonizing when we were like four or five years old. So just always around it. Uh, and then, you know, just kept it up all through high school and college, but didn't really start writing, um, music and songs until I was older as, uh, it would be considered in the music industry. I was 27 when I picked up guitar and really started you know, kind of slowly going, oh, maybe I could actually write a song. I don't know, you know. So now I'm 36. So it's coming up on nine years of uh, just slowly kind of taking it a little bit more seriously, like as an actual songwriter. But in the meanwhile, you know, I sang in choirs, I sang in different bands, I did backing vocals. And uh, that's actually how I wound up in Seattle. I moved here with uh, a folk rock, spaghetti western, Americarney band. Just, uh, you know, ragtag group of, you know, street performers, essentially. Um, we came up here because we heard about, you know, 
the awesome music scene here and we had a connection of a friend of a friend um, who had a recording studio and you know next thing we knew we packed up our gear into one van and uh, yeah we hit the road and we we arrived here and that was in 2010 and yeah just been just kind of just keeping busy doing all kinds of different stuff since then. You moved from Sacramento. Mm -hmm. uh, how did you decide Seattle would be better for you than Sacramento and, and what were you hoping to get out of it? Well, Sacramento is is an awesome city. There's a, there's a really cool kind of vibrant art scene in the downtown area, which is where we were um, we were from. And we'd been together as a band for two years at that point. And Sacramento just has this sort of like, it feels like there's a shelf life there. It's just kind of, it's it's isolated in a lot of ways. Like people know that there's certain cities that you go to for like specific things. Like LA, you go for the movies or whatever, or acting. And New York can be music and acting. But um, but uh, there was, there we went on tour. We went to Alaska and we stopped in Seattle, I believe was what it was someone we knew in Sacramento knew someone here and we stopped at her place and we kind of did a couple of quick song recordings and we were just like we love it here we loved Portland we almost went there but um it was just sort of on a whim honestly we got back home and we were all just sort of at a turning point like all of us individually and collectively as a group we're just ready for a change so we just kind of made the the decision and just boom just some of the band didn't come but like the majority of us, four of us came together. Um, and we uh, moved into that same lady's house um, in South Beacon Hill, Carla Torgerson. She was in the walkabouts um, and they were on Sub Pop in like the 80s, which is like a pretty big deal label, Seattle label. So, you know, she immediately started kind of connecting us to the city and to the music scene. And I started hosting an open mic and, you know, we just, we were immediately playing at like the Tractor Tavern and, you know, we just met people really quickly. Um, yeah, tell and me a little bit about you come to Seattle from Sacramento with a few people that you knew and you had a connection to, to somebody here. What do you remember feeling? What kind of emotions were you having as you packed up and moved and then as you arrived? It was, you know, kind of shocking. I mean, it was like, you know, anytime you take a big move like that, it's kind of, um, you know, you're kind of bombarded with different sensations because so much is changing happening that you're kind of like fight or flight almost you know but it was super exciting it was a group of people that I felt very close to and I was excited to take an adventure with them um, and we got here and we almost right away planned a two-month tour across the U.S. so we uh, basically got jobs saved up some money and then hit the road um, for two months um, so then we really kind of didn't feel like we actually kind of started settling in until after that trip. That band, they were all guys. I was the only girl and uh, uh, singing and banging on a tambourine, you know. Uh, and I started playing guitar a little bit too, but uh, it was wild. I mean, we were all just, they were wild. <laughs> Those guys were heavy drinkers and, uh, you know, party time, you know. And, and on tour, people like expected us to be the party, like at the end of the shows. And I was just exhausted because I was kind of like the only responsible one that wasn't really into all of this nonstop partying, you know. But, you know, that's <laughs> some, sometimes that's how it is in those situations. So you came here with a band and now you're on your own with The Curtain Falls, a new mm -hmm. album that you've got released coming out on April 21st. What were your impressions of the people and the places and the ability to pursue your dreams here in this city? Well, it felt, you know, it, it's this, it's anything possible kind of thing. Like, oh, you know, we were also just figuring it all out. I feel like the music industry, unless maybe you grow up in it and you have people in your family that have 
that are kind of showing you the way or you're connected in that way. I think we're all just sort of like, uh, you know, how do we do this? You have to just try to just dive in and figure out your own path, I guess. But in general, like people here just were very accepting right away, I think, of me and us, that band. We broke up in 2013 and that's when I kind of really started doing the solo stuff. But I, I started hosting an open mic early on and that was really how I started to kind of connect with people in the music community. And, um, you know, once once you start connecting, then more and more things happen. But in general, like the, the musicians that I've met have been really community oriented and really supportive. And um, maybe it's because I'm like that too. Like maybe if I was just a, not a very nice person, people wouldn't be nice to me. I don't know. But yeah, it, uh, we all like, we shared houses together, the band. And this is a common thing with artists and musicians is you wind up sharing a house with like five or six people in one kitchen or whatever. And you're like, don't eat my food or what, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, so that's, you know, a lot of people do that just to be able to afford to live here. So I think right away, it didn't seem that expensive because I was only paying like four or $500 for a room in a house, you know, versus trying to live alone. I don't really know. Maybe then it was pretty bad. But I know now it's like ridiculous to try to have like a one bedroom apartment or a studio. It's just crazy to me. Where are you living now? I live in a, an apartment with my fiance now. I've grown up a little bit. <laughs> But uh, he's also a musician, and we met um, through the music world. And your fiancé, Jeff Fielder, is not only a musician, he is the producer on your new album, The Mm -hmm. Curtain Falls, which comes out April 21st. Tell me about how you met. Well, he was at a tribute show that I performed at. Um, It was um, put on by a musician named R.L. Heyer, who's fantastic. Um, And it was, uh, what was it called? It was a John Lennon tribute. Um, show. It was a benefit. It was something to do with world peace. You know, it was a benefit for something. He was there. And you know who Kathy Moore is? She's a fantastic woman guitarist who lives in Seattle. And she and I had just met and I was totally like, like all fangirl around her, like, oh my gosh, she's so cool. But she told me later that, oh, my friend saw you play and he was really impressed by you. And he's kind of a big deal. And I was like, oh, okay, who's that? And he's like, Jeff Fielder. And I was like, okay. So I promptly looked him up online, you know. And then, you know, a year later, we wound up getting together for coffee and we hit it off. And that was it. That was three years ago. And now we're getting married. (laughs) So you moved here in 2010 from Sacramento with a band. Now you've got a new album coming out eight years later. So you're still here in the Seattle music business. How did Seattle perform relative to expectations? Oh, man, I don't know. I didn't really have... (laughs) didn't really have expectations. I I should say that I come from a family that's moved a lot. Like by the time I was 26, I had moved 26 times. We just moved a lot. We lived, you know, I was born in Alaska and mom was a folk musician and an artist and we lived in a bus. Like one summer we slept in a tent like the whole summer and, you know, it was just a very normal thing to move a lot. And and I guess I just didn't really question it. I just kind of went with it. And I almost have this like itchiness in me when I stay in some place for too long. So it was really, for me, it was that more than like Seattle in itself, like the reputation of Seattle or, you know, what I could get out of being here. But that said, you know, it has been, I've learned so much and I've grown so much as hopefully anyone would do as they get older. Uh, and, uh, this the community has been you have to apply yourself definitely you can't just like expect things to happen for you but you know when you just 
keep knocking on doors, people are going to open them and people are going to answer and more and more things will happen. And, you know, that's kind of just what's been happening for me, just kind of gradually, you know, doing more things like the SeaTac airport thing, um, playing there. I've been playing there for three years now and it's through gigs for you. And they are amazing. Speaking of people in Seattle who really care about keeping the arts afloat and keeping on like making it so that musicians and artists can stay here. Um, they, they, do the programming at SeaTech Airport. They also book live music at um, Amazon. Like I play regularly at the at the uh, coffee shop in the Amazon building downtown, which is a funny gig. But you know, it's they appreciate it. The employees they go about their day and they come, and they sit and hang out and listen to some live music. And uh, they also book music down at the waterfront by the Big Wheel and just all over the place, like parks gigs. Like now, I'm doing sound for them a couple days a week down at like Occidental and West Lake Park, where they have various like lots and lots and lots of different musicians come out and perform and they get a paid gig the music gets to come out to the people and you know they can sell their cds or whatever and it's a way for artists to kind of keep funding their dream and keep on you know doing it because it's it's tricky you know a lot of a lot of people have you know a full-time job or other jobs or you know. So you and your fiance, Jeff Fielder, who's produced your new album, Living in a Two-Bedroom Apartment in Magnolia, are you full-time musicians? We are, yeah. And how do you make that work beyond gigs for you? Are there any other ways that you're able to make that work? It's a gig economy. That's what Jeff always says. It's a gig economy. So like, you know, things just pop up all the time. When you're like open and, you know, you put it out there and you kind of more and more people know, then more and more stuff just kind of keeps coming. And it's not like we're rich at all. <laughs> But, uh, well, he, he's been at it a lot longer than I have. He's a bit older than me. Um, and he also started playing guitar when he was like five or something. I mean, so he's been working at it and he's, and he's also obsessed. So he's been working on it and been in the Seattle area for over 20 years and building up his, his thing. So he gets to go tour the world. Like he plays with a guy that, you know, plays all over the world. Mark Lanigan, he was in the Screaming Trees and they were a big deal in the 90s they were part of the like grunge you know nirvana scene and all that um and he uh yeah he plays with one of the indigo girls that's one of his gigs so he gets to do like cool legit stuff he gets to go down randomly to hawaii and jam with celebrity musicians and stuff so yeah he's got it good but he's inspired me a lot because um you know he when we met he was really like you know you you have soul you have heart you have talent you, why wouldn't you just believe in yourself and just do everything you possibly can if that's what you want to do so you know I recently took the kind of leap of faith dive and quit my part-time job I was waiting tables forever like through college and and was like well I don't know exactly what I'm gonna do but I, you know I'm just gonna see what comes along and you know so just kind of I, I the occasional gigs with the rock orchestra you know those pay decently and there's um there's this group of musicians called the blue wave band and you can audition to be on their roster and then they have a huge cast of musicians and they just they put together uh basically it's like rock cover band for for like weddings and stuff so you can you know get gigs doing that kind of thing i mean there's ways there's just, a lot of people teach um you know to kind of fund being a musician i don't currently but um, but doing the gigs for you stuff like the you know doing the sound those kind of things and just everything I can you know so yeah a gig 
performing playing at a coffee shop for Amazon, what does that pay? Well, it's all over the place. It really is. For like a two-hour gig, they pay the musicians $200. But that's pretty good. I mean, two, you know, 100 bucks an hour to do that kind of thing. I recently played at um, like a lounge kind of thing. Three hours, I made $300. So, I mean, it's not too bad. It's just that it can be kind of sporadic. So it's kind of like you have to just know that like one week I'll have like a couple weeks ago I played at the Northwest Flower and Garden Convention four days they had me do sort of a residency and they paid me I think it was 200 for two hour gigs and I did four days of that and I was like sweet you know I'm all right this week you know but then yeah then there's times where you're like you know I don't have very much going on this week or next week so no going out no you know like sit at home go for a walk do cheap things so that's how it is. And so you're making it as a musician here in Seattle. You've been here eight years, first with the band, now releasing your own solo work. What would you say the soul of Seattle's music scene is? Well, the soul of it. I mean, that's tough to say. There's definitely soul in Seattle. It's funny. I just went down to Georgetown. Jeff and I took some um, some pictures for like promotional stuff just down in Georgetown the other day, and we were like, really just like, wow, we hadn't been down there in a while. We're noticing the soul of Georgetown. It's very clear when you're there. There's just, there's an edginess. It's more raw. It's like people just look funky and weird and like, you know, tattoos and piercings and, you know, they're just dressed weird, you know, in Georgetown. It's kind of grimy, dirty. There's just this edginess. And I think that's what Seattle used to have. I mean, I came in 2010. So that was later, you know, from all that stuff that happened back then. So I think that in a way, a lot of that sort of soul has kind of relocated to the edges of the city slash, you know, the South End, like Burien, that kind of like artisticness. So I don't know. It's I love the city. I love I love that there's such an eclectic mix of people, that there's a pulse, that people are you know, active and that, the, that it's progressive. I think that all of those things make Seattle like a wonderful city. Um, but in terms of the artistry, I mean, I don't know. It's, I, I know that when I go to shows, now that I've been here so long, like I went to the crocodile to see the true loves the other night and like all these people I know from years of, you know, the open mic and my shows and their shows of knowing each other, we're all just like, Oh my gosh. Hey, oh, how's it going? What's going on? And everybody's everybody's friends you know everyone's really friendly everyone's really supportive of each other and very like what's going on with you it's it's there's a camaraderie it's not like people are cutthroat or like and people share I'm part of this women singer songwriter group where we meet and we share our experiences and we share our connections and we we kind of go to you know try to go to each other's shows and it's very supportive here is what I would say is, is sort of the what I I take from it and as the city's changing if you could get a message out to the people of Seattle asking them to help shape the change, so uh, shape the future in a way that you would like, what would you ask of the listener? I immediately was thinking, well, you know, more like artist homes, you know, lower income artist homes, but that's not necessarily the listeners. Um, so for the average listener, what's the average of your listener of your show like? What's the demographic? Probably in business. Business? people are people that I don't know very well or interact with very well. I mean, even though what we do is business, like I have to basically run my own business. It's not the same at all as like a corporation kind of thing. Um, I think they're doing pretty well here, but I'd say, I guess, yeah, like if they can do more 
to, you know, sort of provide scholarships or opportunities or things for artists because, you know, art is important. It's always been people want to make it, but it, it it's challenging because of, you know, we got to pay the rent, we got to eat, we got to feed ourselves. And, you know, if you are always hustling, trying to just work a job so that you can do your art, it's hard. It's hard. So opportunities are helpful, I'd say. Yeah. So we're going to get a chance to, if people stay tuned in this podcast, they're going to hear your song, Like You're With Me, from the new album, The Curtain Falls. If they like the song and they want to see you live, how do they do it? Well, the release show is going to be amazing. If you're in the music, no. These people that I'm playing with are fantastic. The bass player played with um, Tracy Chapman on Give Me One Reason to Stay. He was in that band. Uh, so he's a really good bass player. Uh, he also plays with Ann Wilson of Heart right now. He's in her band. So uh, yeah, he's really good. <laughs> you know, no big deal. But uh, he's he's great. My honey's playing with me, Jeff. He's, uh, he's uh, playing all kinds of funky synths and, uh, you know, making beats and stuff. And then, you know, it's going to be a really cool cast. That's going to be a really good show. April 21st at the Sunset. All right. So April 21st at the Sunset Tavern. Tecla Waterfield will be having a release party for the album The Curtain Falls. Uh, any concluding thoughts? Thanks for having me here. It's always good to talk to people, you know, and uh, share experiences because we're all in this together in our own little weird ways. So, yeah, thanks for having me. Tecla, thanks for joining me today. I appreciate your time and perspective. Yeah, thank you. Still to come on this episode of Seattle Growth Podcast is an interview with someone drawn to Seattle by its reputation for music and tech. But first... To get to know Tecla Waterfield a little bit better, enjoy a song you can't hear anywhere else, like you're with me, in our sneak peek of her upcoming album, The Curtain Falls. I come home after work, put my feet up on the table, turn the TV on. Empty couch and 
guest moved here because of Seattle's well-known tech scene and its music scene. Hear what happened next as I sit down with Jeremiah Mothersell. I am here at the GeekWire Sports Tech Summit with Jeremiah Mothersell. Jeremiah, thank you for joining me today. Yeah, no problem. Thank you. So tell me a little bit about yourself. Well, I am originally from upstate New York, and uh, after graduating from the Rochester Institute of Technology, I moved out to Arizona with my girlfriend, and I worked in higher education there. Uh, in marketing and then about two years ago uh, we moved up here because my girlfriend is into SEO and I'm also into marketing and this is like uh, a haven for for that industry and so we came up here because we pretty much hit the peak in the industry in Phoenix and uh, she's working for Porch now and I'm working for Aqualon. And did you come here for the job or uh, come here without a job and got one once you were here? Came here without a job. That's the way we did it twice. And what made you think that Seattle would be a place that you could move to and get a job that you'd be happy in? Well, it's just, it seems like a tech center. I mean, you got New York City, San Francisco, and Seattle. That's what everybody talks about when they talk about the tech industry in the United States. Uh, San Francisco is a little bit too tight. New York City is way too big, so that leaves Seattle for me. How has Seattle performed relative to the expectations that you had moving here? Uh, it's performed very well in the marketing aspect. I was hoping for a little bit more of a music scene because uh, I'm, I'm a musician and I really wanted to be a, a, into that part of Seattle, but it just didn't work out. But marketing has been there for me right there all the way in the tech scene here. 
And what have you noticed about the music scene here? It embraces you when you when you come in, and it's very welcoming as far as the musicians are concerned. Uh, when the venues the venues are different in that they want you to play, and it's very welcoming, but they don't they don't pay as much as other places. I've noticed it, there's several other places in the country that pay more for uh, artistry than Seattle. And what about the collaboration across other musicians trying to do the same thing? Oh, it's really cool. Yeah, I, I just finished up uh, in Bellevue actually singing with Northwest Sound as part of their Sing 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 program where they just uh, let anybody who wants to come and sing, they just let them join the choir for six weeks. Free vocal lessons and then you sing as a part of the concert towards the end of that six weeks. Man, it, it was such a great experience. Uh, I couldn't believe it. I wouldn't have ever expected there to be a place where I could get free vocal lessons in a city like Seattle or Bellevue. It was, it was an amazing experience. How else does the music scene here compare to the expectations that you had from afar? It's definitely promoted as a little bit different, like a place where you can grow a little bit more than I expected. It's, it's, it's a lot harder. There's a lot more competitive atmosphere here. The market is saturated uh, with a lot of people trying to do the same thing. So that's forced me to step back and sort of re-strategize how I'm approaching music. So it's good in a sense where it's pushing me to my best limits, but bad in a sense where there's no way that I can get paid while I'm replanning, you know, my strategy in music or in in that aspect of it. So, so uh, in the it's, 90s, it's good and bad. In the 90s, we had uh, we were the center of grunge uh, here in Seattle. Do you see Seattle again creating the next crop of national uh, stars of music? Maybe. I mean, uh, it seems like a lot of people are leaving because they can't get paid. It could be to if you have the struggle. Uh, the musicians and the artists rise above that struggle to create anyways or maybe it's that uh, that's whole that whole thing where uh, on Twitter I don't know who did the ad but who can afford housing in Seattle oh the developers can hold you know and everybody went crazy about that but to some respects it's true I mean that's why they went crazy about it so are you driving out the artists by the high cost of living here I don't know, maybe it creates that struggle where you'll have people rise above it and just create awesome stuff. So it could go either way, I can't say. And what are the sounds that you're hearing on the music scene here? Oh, there's everything. There's, there's everything from uh, independent hip hop to some really interesting folk music, and I love it all. It's, it's, people are doing some really interesting stuff here, which is sort of a shame why uh, they're, not, uh, they're not compensated for it more, because people are doing some really great stuff. and. If Seattle wants to keep it here, they need to sort of, at least the venues, should pay the artists who are making such great stuff, you know? You wanted to actually have a career as a musician? I did. I did for three years, yeah. So what kind of musician are you? Uh, I am a, a singer-songwriter. So I, I play the, uh, the banjo, the harmonica, and the guitar, and I write all my own stuff. And so now you've, you've transitioned. Tell me about the transition Oh, it's, it's not. It's not. It's not a, a, a transition. I've done it before. Like I, I went to school for marketing. I worked in higher education, marketing higher education for uh, two years, and uh, telecommunication for two and a half years before that. So 
I mean, it's just it's just doing what I do. Like I marketed myself while I was doing music, so there really wasn't that much of a transition. It's just me taking what I learned from my time as marketing myself and putting it into uh, a company that has a ton of more resources than I could ever give myself. So it easier, you know? Any concluding thoughts on what it's like to be a musician and the music scene in this growing city? Uh, you got to work your ass off and do something special. Uh, that's, that's all there is to it. You got to do something really different. And uh, once you do that, you, you, you can't do the, the regular, you know, I'm going to go play this bar. I'm going to go play this bar. I'm going to play this. I'm going to open up for this person. I really feel like you got to do something completely different and unique. Jeremiah, thank you for joining me today. I appreciate your time and perspective. Thank you. To get another perspective on why musicians are moving to Seattle and what they find when they get here, join me as I sit down with Dustin Vance. I'm here with Dustin Vance, a singer-songwriter who moved to Seattle recently, and he's got a, an indie rock band, Fond Farewell. Dustin, thank you very much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. So why don't you start by telling me a little bit about yourself? I moved out here in 2015 uh, from Indiana. So I've been out here about two and a half years, been playing music for just about nine years now. So I decided I wanted to go somewhere that had a little more opportunity, a little more going on than my two venue town in Indiana. Tell me a little bit about what it's like trying to work as a musician in Indiana. Uh, not easy. Um, <laughs> like I said, I, was, I grew up in a college town, uh, like a tenth of the population of Seattle. Um, which is where I went to school and where I started playing music. Um, we had two venues that uh, actually had music. As a solo performer, it's very hard uh, to get really any shows or to play consistency at all. So really, I mean, in four or five years of trying to really play shows and do more, it was kind of felt like I did everything I could and kind of played my hand out. And so there's lots of towns outside of Indiana that are known for music. You know, you could have chosen Nashville, New York, L.A. How did you choose Seattle? Yeah, I had a list of cities uh, when I decided I really wanted to move. I had Nashville, Chicago, uh, Portland, Seattle, and Austin. And I kind of boiled it down to uh, it didn't, didn't really work today for weather because it snowed this morning. But uh, I kind of boiled it down. Portland, Seattle ended up being my one and two. Uh, I'd never been to either before I moved, um, but I kind of went for weather, uh, music scene of what I knew was going on, get a little more art scene, a little more progressive politically outside of my Midwestern roots. And I just decided kind of it felt right and pulled the trigger and came out here. And what had you heard about the Seattle music scene from Indiana? Um, the only thing I'd really heard is just... Like bigger bands, of course, that it came out. There's a couple bands uh, such as uh, Mansions that were originally from the Midwest that moved out here and started playing. And I just kind of realized there were uh, a lot of musical acts that I were listening to that I didn't know were out here. And I found out, oh, like they moved from somewhere to Seattle and it was a bunch of people I liked. And I just decided to give it a shot. And what were your emotions as you're packing up and about to embark on a journey across the country to come to a city that you'd heard about, come to Seattle. 
terrified uh, is probably the first word that comes to mind. Uh, I'd never been west of Chicago until the day I started driving to move out here. So it was, yeah, really, really exciting. Pretty scary. Um, I got here and I was super excited. Uh, my dad actually drove out here with me to help me move. And then I dropped him off at the airport and I went to drive back to my apartment and I was like, oh crap, I know no one. I'm completely alone now. <laughs> Where did you settle in? Where did you live when you first moved here in 2015? Um, I live in Greenwood. Um, I've been in the same apartment for the whole time I've been here so far, which is pretty nice. How on earth did you figure out how to get into this community? Uh, it was luck is kind of the way <laughs> I like to describe it. Um, I started looking, trying to find open mics uh, just around. I got lucky and I found an open mic like five blocks away from my apartment and just going and kind of playing consistently at open mics. And I met a couple people who then introduced me to a couple people, uh, floated my name around and I would get people reaching out to me to ask if I wanted to play shows that I'd never met before. And just, yeah, it's all as huge as the like community is and how many people are here. It seems at least in the time I've been here that everyone kind of knows everyone else. It's, it still feels kind of small. Do you remember that first person who reached out to you and said, let me help you in some way? Yeah. Um, I, I moved here on a Friday and I went to an open mic on a Sunday night and I played the open mic, uh, like introduced myself that I was fresh here. Um, I played my set and then, uh, uh, the girl who ran it, uh, named Kirsten, uh, came up to me afterwards and was like, so I book a show here next week. You're on it. Wow. So your first open <laughs> mic, uh, a woman in Seattle points to you and says, uh, you're going to get a gig here. Yeah. <laughs> and which was nuts. <laughs> what were you feeling at the time when that happened? And uh, It's pretty insane. I mean, I had a consistent gig back home in Indiana uh, for a long time that uh, I played every week and every other week for about four years. Um, and that was really like the only thing I knew and I had to play a couple years consistently around there to be able to get like a consistent Wednesday night spot. And I played two songs and someone was like, Hey, yeah, so come back next week. You're on this show. <laughs> and so as you're playing in, in the Seattle area, how is it in terms of pay relative to what you were getting paid to perform in, in Indiana? Um, it's a little bit the, the same, uh, a lot of places, uh, Back in Indiana, didn't do a lot of door charges. It was strictly just like percentage of bar or if you did a cover charge, they took most of the cover charge. Um, there's a lot of places around here, luckily, that uh, if you get a show where they're doing cover charges, you get all of or like the vast majority of that money. Um, a lot of songwriter showcases and stuff like that that are little half hour solo sets you don't really get anything for which is pretty similar to back in indiana um so i kind of have got used to treating that more as a networking go to the songwriter showcases and play with three or four other people and then you meet people to then do shows with later and what emotions have you been feeling you know you said you were scared excited and nervous about 
packing up and driving to Seattle. Now that you've been here two and a half years and you're you're seeing yourself getting some gigs in a new city, what emotions are you feeling now? It's made me pretty happy to to kind of feel like people more like appreciate uh, music I make. Like I played consist pretty consistently back home, and I played a ton of shows to the staff and like my dad. <laughs> so <laughs> those are, those are really hard. Um, and that's not, that's not really as common out here. Uh, musicians tend to come out and support other musicians, which is nice. Um, I mean, I've still had a couple showcases I've done that are pretty, pretty sparse, but it seems even when you have like a lesser crowd out here, the people who are there really do appreciate that there's music being made. Um, whereas a lot of my experience back home is the few people who are there are regulars and you're interrupting their drinking and they're not that happy that you're there. <laughs> so uh, you're finding a, a community here and you're feeling happy. You're known in the, as a singer songwriter of sad songs. Yeah. <laughs> are you finding it trouble to continue uh, what you, you stand for? Not at all. Uh <laughs> Like I write sad music and I try to like joke about it in between songs. <laughs> and where did the sadness come from? And has it dissipated or does it um, is it still there? The the way I like I like to describe it is I'll sit down and really really want to make a happy song and they end up like taking some sort of like bitter twist. <laughs> but I mean the way it kind of feels to me is you can be even for like a brief moment sad or emotional and you really want to sit down and write and you can crank stuff out. But when you're really happy and you're enjoying stuff you don't have like that urge to go sit like go be by yourself and like spill it all out because you're enjoying what's going on so is seattle ruining your music uh no <laughs> uh there's still uh there's still a lot going on i can pull <laughs> pull to write from uh i mean get a sit sit on a rainy day and write sad songs is pretty it's pretty cathartic and pretty fitting. <laughs> what do you think the future holds for you as uh, you're seeing your career kind of blossom here in Seattle? What do the next five years look like? Uh, hopefully the next uh, five years are going to be more focused on uh, full band and less. I'd like to do a lot more full band, bigger shows, uh, bigger, better venues than you can really do solo until you've already played a lot of places with a band and then you can come back and do it as solo. Um, I finally have a just really good group of musicians around me for the full band. So I'm hoping that in the future, uh, solo shows can be like Dustin of Fond Farewell. So tell me about Fond Farewell. What kind of music is it? Sound-wise, we're a little bit jumping around genres, which I enjoy. Uh, my kind of songwriting philosophy is whatever feels right, feels right. And I just let it go however it goes. Uh, so we have a lot of slow, pretty sounding melodic songs. And we have some more punchier rock, kind of a little more yelly vocal songs. Um, so I kind of want to have a like a journey of of uh, like emotions throughout sets or throughout recordings or I've never really grown out of my like emo kid phase. So uh, I still listen to a lot of like Elliot Smith and Bright Eyes and all of that stuff. But 
uh, like Manchester Orchestra, a current rock band, is one of my favorite bands currently. So the heavier stuff's more kind of in that vein, which is more of like an, an alternative alternative indie rock. And you've been here two and a half years. In your limited experience, what would you say the soul of Seattle's music scene is? There seems to be so many like individual pockets in the music scene. Um, really what it feels like to me is a lot of the a lot of the people at least I know kind of the the root of the music scene scene seems to be uh, just kind of the like love of connecting with people. Um, a lot of the people I've met that uh, are more like established, they can play shows and make money. They're making making records and selling records and going on tour, but everyone still seems to just like adore playing shows. Like it's a lot of just the, the love of making music in front of people. Do you have any shows coming up if people want to hear your music? Yeah, we've got a really cool show um, at the High Dive on uh, May 16th. Um, it's going to be with uh, Tobias the Owl and Humble Urchin, who are both just amazing. What do you see as the overall health of the Seattle music scene? And have you noticed any changes in just the, sh- the short years that you've been here? Um, in the time I've been here, um, I've seen a lot of the more strictly solo artists kind of go the same route I have and moving into getting bands together because it seems to be a lot easier to book shows as a band than it is as a solo artist. Um, There's not a lot of places uh, as like the bigger venues, unless you're doing like cafes and wineries and like smaller rooms um, that you can really get like a Thursday, Friday, Saturday night as a solo performance, unless they're doing like a special acoustic night or something like that. And do you anticipate going full-time as a musician? And if so... What are you going to need to see to take that that leap? I would love to be full-time as a musician. Um, really just like success as a full-time musician to me would just be able to still eat and pay bills uh, while writing and playing music. Um, what would kind of be necessary for that? Uh, I guess the first thing would be somewhere where you could afford to pay rent while <laughs> playing music. Uh, cause there's not really a ton of money to be made if you're just playing locally. Uh, so really, uh, what needs to happen for that is being in the space where you can travel around really and hit the road and tour. Uh, it'd be, I know some people who just work their butts off and, and play only in Seattle and right around Seattle and make a living. But as a, as solo performers, as, as a band, when you're trying to keep five people, <laughs> four or five people uh, eating and then having somewhere to sleep would be a lot harder to try to do if you're just staying in one place. Any concluding thoughts on your experiences moving from Indiana to Seattle to make it as a musician? It was a nice, nice kind of culture shock uh, <laughs> from being in a really small town to moving to the like, quote unquote, big city. It's really all just about uh, putting in legwork and trying to play and trying to meet people. I've had to really work on how networking works. I'd never really had tried that before. 
Um, a lot of just being talented isn't really going to get you as far as you'd think because there's thousands of ridiculously talented people out here doing the same thing that you're doing. <laughs> Dustin, thank you very much for joining me today. I appreciate your time and perspective. Yeah, thank you for having me. That is all for today's episode of Seattle Growth Podcast. Have an opinion to share? Reach out to me on Twitter, at Prof Shulman. I love seeing what you have to say. And we still have a few episodes left in Season 4 of Seattle Growth Podcast. Please subscribe to Seattle Growth Podcast and iTunes so you don't miss a single one. In next week's episode, we dive into the musical theater scene. You'll hear from the executive producer and artistic director of Fifth Avenue Theater, David Armstrong. Almost every new musical that we've sent to Broadway has gone from our stage to New York, has taken Seattle-based talent with them. You'll hear from actress Portia Shaw. And I also thought like, oh, the African-American community is so small here. But I lived in Santa Fe, New Mexico before I moved here, which was even worse. Um, Seattle wasn't as bad, but I did find that I was like looking for a community that didn't seem to really exist. Yeah, and that was difficult. That was very difficult at first. And you'll hear from rising actor Andre Brown. I think that's why a lot of artists are drawn here. I think musicians are drawn here or, and even like birthed here um, is because like they can try anything. It's not that box. It's not like I want to be perfect. The episode gives you further insight into the creative soul of Seattle and how it is evolving during the city's boom. I hope you join me next week. And in the meantime, I'm Jeff Shulman, and I thank you for joining me on this journey in the fourth season of Seattle Growth Podcast. Now, enjoy the song Clearer by today's guest, Dustin Vance. Always checking my phone Just a fearless alone Excuses, ways to pass the time And I guess that one's mine It's true. And where-
stranger in my I can't get back